the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Jesus had no medicine, yet he was called the healer. He was buried in a tomb, yet he rose again today, and he lives in our lives today. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles, with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. For today's Core Truth, we are picking up in our message titled, Ready to Listen, in John chapter 13. Yes, God has chosen us, broken vessels, those who have, you know, feet of clay, which might seem like the worst plan ever. Lord, like, really? You're going to leave it all in our lap? I mean, you know, we're just like a bunch of, you know, losers here. You're going to use us to spread your message of love, your great message of mercy, your great message of grace to the lost and lonely world that we live in? Yes. And it's genius. It's genius. It's better than anything you could ever imagine. And even though some of you might think that you're the best thing that's ever happened since the creation of nachos, maybe not so much. Consider for a moment just how the world looks at the average Christian. Oh, we go to church on Sunday. That's nice. We carry a Bible. We sing some songs. Yet none of that really affects any of them. It doesn't matter to them. They don't care. In fact, if you ask most people what they think about our faith, they might just say, whatever, okay, to each his own, whatever makes your boat float. Yet Jesus asks us to do something extraordinary. He asks us to go the extra mile for them. How? By loving them. Not with just any love. Not with your little love of kindness that you conjure up. He says, oh, no. I want you to love them with the same love that I have loved you with. I want this love to completely resemble and look like the love that I have for you. What is Jesus' love for us? It's an unconditional love. That's a love without any condition. This is not a love that most of us have naturally. We don't just wake up with this love like, I want to have a sacrificial love for my neighbor that, you know, walks his dog every day and he does his number on my front yard. Oh, yes. Okay. No, no, no. It's not your own love. No, God says, I want you to have a love that with the same intensity that I love you. Yet loving people like this, those who least deserve it, can cause people around us to be like, what? Like, really? Like, I'm to love a person? Like, let's take your supervisor at work. Let's take the person who seems to be the ice pick in your side right now. Let's take the person who causes misery in your life. God says, I want you to love him with an unconditional love. I want you to love her with an unconditional love. No matter how callous their heart might be, they just might give a listening ear to your message if they notice this kind of love coming out of you. 
Again, this isn't one of the Ten Commandments. This is a new commandment, a commandment of love. Jesus is fully aware and understands what would have the most impact on this world. Think about it. When we obey this verse, the world has to stop and shake their head. Why? Because they know how to deal with everything else. It's like when someone gets in your grill, you get back in their grill. When someone gets a little snarky and nasty with you, you get snarky and nasty back. See, that's what the world understands. But when someone's getting snarky and nasty with you and you give nothing but love back, when someone stabs you in the back and you forgive them, when someone kicks you while you're down and you love them anyway, they don't know how to deal with that. See, I can deal with someone comes up, hey, you want to fight? You want a piece of this action? Okay, good. Okay, see, we know how to deal with that. We don't know how to deal with giving love back in replace. People, is they, they don't know how to deal with that. The person that stepped on you to get the promotion at your job and then you totally become a servant to them and serve them. It's like they don't have the capacity to deal with that. You want to get nasty with them? Oh, we'll deal with that. Oh, they'll get nasty. Oh, you want to get nasty? Oh, they'll get nasty. We'll take it to the next level, nasty. But you love them. You lay yourself down for them. You become a servant to them. They, 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 they can't deal with it. For what else would cause every nationality under the sun to come together? When we see the true church working, it's every nationality. I mean, look around this room. Is there not every nationality in this room? What would make that happen? How could we be friends with each other in any other way other than the context of Christ that draws us all together? It's only Christ that does that. This is genius. And this is what he's given us as a calling card. The God of true love, showing his loving kindness to the hearts and the lives of his own people. It was God's love that drove Jesus to the cross to die for the sin of the world. It was God's love that broke through all of our callous hearts, was it not? It was God's love that healed our broken souls, was it not? It was God's love that works in and through us each and every day to reach out to the sick and the dying of this world. It's God's love. Okay, so last Tuesday, I'm at, a, uh, I'm at a dealership. I had to go down. I was doing a TBN television taping uh, for sometime in the future. Who knows when it's going to be aired? But So I'm down there, but I had a few hours because I had to drop something else off in Orange County. So I was down there early. So I stopped at this car dealership. And anyway, I'm talking to the salesman, and he's from Iran. And I said, oh, man, Iran plays a huge game, a, a huge stake in uh, the last day's events, man. In fact, they're actually named in Ezekiel 38 and 30. I mean, I just, I mean, I just go right in. I mean, I just start sharing with this guy and I'm sharing with him and sharing with him and sharing with him and sharing with him and sharing with him that there's a God in heaven that loves him. Well, after a very long time of sharing with him, this young man in the parking lot of that dealership prayed and asked Christ in his heart as his savior. And it's like, you know, to me, I'm, I mean, it's, it's great, but that's not the best of the story. The story gets better because it's not, it's not uncommon for me to share my faith. I'm sharing my faith all the time. So to me, it's like, that's not the praise report. The praise report is this. The very next day, another couple goes into the, the, the dealership. And how do I know this? Because I get a phone call on Friday and uh, I talked to this gal that wanted to call and share a praise report with me. So the very next day, Wednesday, a couple goes into the dealership looking at a pickup. 
and uh, they get the same salesman. So they're Christians. So they start sharing with this guy. He says, yeah, yeah, I'm from Iran. They start sharing with him and the whole deal. And they say, well, you know, uh, this guy, Steve, he was here yesterday and he gave me a book and da, da, da. And they're thinking, oh, great. Got some Jehovah's Witness dropping the material on the guy, you know. Got the, got the Mormon dropping the Book of Mormon on the guy, you know. They're like, and they're just kind of like, they're sharing Christ with him. Like, well, well, what is this book? And, well, who is this guy, you know? And, and so he goes, well, I, I don't know. I have the book. Though. Well, can we see the book? Because they're thinking like, oh, geez, we got to refute this thing and share Christ with him, you know. And so he pulls out the book I gave him, which was a Bible. I gave him a New Believer's Bible. And my card was in her. And she's like looking at this. And she's looking at the card. She's like, I listen to this guy on the radio every day. <laughs> she's got, he goes, this guy was sharing with you? Yeah, it's, it's Steve. It's the guy in the card. And it's like, and he's, she's like, oh my goodness. And, and it was just like, what blew me away was God loved this young man so much that he sent back up the very next day to just, just, just reiterate all those truths, to just strengthen the foundation in this young man's life and to reaffirm those things in his life as a brand new believer. And it just goes to show, how many times do we miss the opportunity to share? How many times do we not take it? Because if I wouldn't have stepped up and I wouldn't have shared Christ with him, guess what? God had a plan for that young man and he was going to come to know Christ. And if I wouldn't have shared it, that couple the next day, they would have led him to Christ. Because that's our calling. That's why we're here. So you might think, but Lord, my misery in my life, my hardships and my great difficulty at my job and all of these things, they're so overwhelming for me. I just can't get past all of these things. And God's like, could you just set your life aside for a second? Because you're going to spend millions of years with me. And just like the disciples, no, we want to go with you right now. We want to go, we want to go, we want to go. It's like, No, you can't come with me now. You'll come later. And Jesus is telling each and every one of us, we're at the end of time. 2,000 years have gone by since Peter wanted to go. He says, no, 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 no. Stay for a while. It's going to be hard. There's going to be great difficulty. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. But I have purpose for you in this time. There is purpose for you staying here. There is a reason why we are here. Yes, Jesus' last night was a huge investment in the disciples' lives, yet they could not follow now. Again, why? There were two reasons. Number one, they were not ready. God had to do some more work inside of them. And number two, there was work to be done. There is work in front of us to be done here today, which brings up our final point, willing to work. But before we get to that, know this. It's God's love that will get us through to the end and usher us into heaven to spend eternity with him one day. Yes, it's God's love that conquered our hearts and changed our minds. It's God's love that caused us to surrender to him in the first place. And it's God's love that can cause all of us to live a life of purpose and destiny, to be a picture of his love as a blessing to others. That's why we must all humble ourselves and deny ourselves. We must stop saying, I don't do the love thing. I'm more into the uh, macho thing. I'm a macho man, okay? Living in, you know, living in this love is like an oxymoron for me. Well, that's the whole purpose, that they wouldn't see you anymore, that they would see Jesus in you because we are not naturally a loving people. Are we not all typically selfish? 
We're always kind of looking out for number one first, aren't we? I mean, kind of be honest. That's why most people never give us the time of day because our lives are no different than theirs. Know this, Jesus' whole life was an oxymoron. Think about it. Nothing about Jesus was conventional. What was conventional about him? Consider his life here on earth. Jesus had no servants, yet he was called the master. Jesus had no degree, yet he was called the teacher. Jesus had no medicine, yet he was called the healer. He committed no crime, yet they crucified him. He was buried in a tomb, yet he rose again today, and he lives in our lives today. Then last but not least, Jesus had no army, but he conquered the world. His whole life is an oxymoron. Yes, Jesus, amen. Jesus did everything the wrong way, but he lives in my life today, and because of that, he's radically changed my life. So what about you? Will you allow him to do the same with you? If so, then never say that you can't change. You don't say, well, I can't be this love and, 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 and do what he's told me to do in the 11th commandment. He says, no, love one another. If you do this, by this, people will know that you're my disciples. You can do it because God's not asking you to do it in your own strength. Philippians 4.13 says, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. It's not because you're an, an empowered woman. I'm empowered. I'm an independent, empowered woman. No, it's not because of that. It's because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That's why you can do it. It's all about him. It's not about us. And if we do, Jesus said, all men will know that you're my disciples. Well, those of you who are Christians, can I ask you this obvious question? Do the people you know and the people you work with, do your family, do your friends, do your next door neighbors, do they all know that you're a Christian? Not because you told them, but by the love that you have personally demonstrated to them. That's the question. Have they experienced it or not so much? Remember, the love that could be, that love that God wants us to be showing to them, that could be the master key to their hearts. But getting back to Peter, this was not resonating with him at all. Peter thought that he was ready to go everywhere that Jesus was going. Maybe Peter thought of himself as a little bit more spiritual than the rest of the disciples. Well, as you remember from a couple weeks ago, they were already debating earlier in the same night here that that evening that who was going to be greatest among them. That's when Jesus showed what real greatness was. For true leadership in God's eyes would be for him to show humility as Jesus put a towel around his waist and he bowed down as a lowly slave and he washed the disciples' feet. So again, There were two reasons why they couldn't go with him right now. Number one, they weren't ready. And number two, again, there was work to be done. But now getting to our point, willing to work, let's read what he says next. In John chapter 13, verse 36 says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, Peter, a cock shall not crow until you deny me three times. Peter, don't you know, before the rooster this morning goes cock-a-doodle-doo, you will have already denied me three times. Wow. Yes, maybe Peter was thinking, I'm the most faithful here of the disciples. Maybe he was thinking, 
I'm Peter. Don't you remember? You know, you name me Peter. Peter in the Greek is the Greek word Petros. It's a, it's a rock. I'm the rock. I'm willing to work. You know, you can trust me. Yet the only thing that this rock is getting ready to do is sink. Because Peter was about to embark on the biggest failure of his life. His pride was about to catch up with him and drop him to his knees. We must remember serving God is a privilege and it is a great honor. Sometimes people think serving the Lord is drudgery. It's work. Oh, share Christ with my coworkers. What a life of misery. I don't want to take time with this guy. This guy's a moron. This girl treats me so bad. I'm not going to do that. Why would I share Christ with them? Let him go to hell in a (laughs) handbasket. You know, sometimes that's how we feel. But serving God is a great privilege. It's an honor. And if someone gets blessed because of an act of love or some other blessing from us, then all the honor goes to the Lord. We must remember what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4, 7. It says, for who regards you as superior? Talking about us. Like, do we think we're really superior? Oh, Pastor Steve, you think you're superior? No. What do you have that you did not receive? But if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? It's like, if there's anything good that comes out of my life, is there anyone that gets blessed? All the glory to the Lord. Because I wouldn't be this person sharing the love of Christ with passion if it wasn't for him sharing his love of passion with me. It's all because of him. See, Peter was obviously feeling pretty good about himself here at this Last Supper. He must have forgotten what the Bible says in Proverbs 16, 18, where it says, pride goes out before destruction in a haughty spirit before stumbling. That's why we must all examine our hearts. We must scrutinize how we live. And if a brother or sister fails and falls before us or does something really foolish, the worst thing we could ever do is take a step back and say, well, what an idiot. I would never do something like that. Understand, we're not supposed to kick other Christians while they're down. We should help them back up. Let us not forget what it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 12. It says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. It's like, you think you're standing right now and you're strong. Oh, I'd never do what they did. Uh, take heed, lest you fall yourself. That should be a stern warning to all of us. All those people say, hey, I got this. No problem. I can go hang out with people that I shouldn't hang out with. I can go to places. I can go clubbing. I know my limits and I'll always stop before I get there. Uh, take heed, lest you fall. And now Jesus tells Peter what he's going to do. He said in verse 38, he says, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow, you will have already denied me that you even know me three times. Could you imagine what Peter was thinking at that moment? Lord, what are you talking about? Of course I I wouldn't do that. In fact, in Matthew's account of this event, Peter said to Jesus, in essence, no way. Lord, hey, I know you're the Lord, but you you got this one wrong. Like, that's not going to happen, okay? I will never deny you. I will die for you. Well, as you know, Peter did exactly what Jesus said he would do. But how did it happen? Well, Luke's account in the Gospel of Luke gives us a little more insight into what happened. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke twenty-two, thirty-one. He said, Simon, Simon. Notice he didn't call him Peter. He went back to his old name. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Boy, how did that happen? Lord, 
I know you're the king. I know you're the Messiah. This is Satan. Like, hey, I want Peter. Oh, I want him, man. I want to rip him. I want to sift him like wheat. I want to take him and take him to the raw core. But then Jesus says, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. You know, Satan wants to rip us and chew us to pieces. I've heard some pastors on TV and everything, hey, Satan, you want a piece of this? Come here. You know, and I'm like, oh my goodness. Satan is a spiritual being. He would shred us to pieces. It's only because God has put a seal of the Holy Spirit on us that he can't have us. Satan, Satan can never possess a believer. A believer cannot be possessed by Satan, but he can oppress us. And that's why whenever he's knocking on my door and I go over to the door of my heart and I look at the little people, oh my goodness, it's the devil, Slewfoot, Lucifer. I'm just like, uh, hey, Lord, the door's for you. You know, it's like, let the Lord answer that door. I don't want any part of that. Okay, notice how in Jude, it gives a reflection back because remember when Moses died, no one ever knew where he died. So, uh, so Michael, the archangel was going down to retrieve the body of Moses. Now, I don't know what God wanted to do with it, but he was going down to get the body. It says that Satan came and contended with him and was battling over the dead body of Moses. Crazy thing, but it's what happened. And what did Michael the archangel say? Did Michael the archangel say, I am Michael, the archangel of the heavens. And I come against you, Satan. Let me just step into the octagon with you. No. Michael the archangel said, the Lord rebuke you. And that should be our attitude. Satan, the Lord rebuke you. In Jesus' name, get back from me. The Lord rebuke you from my house, from my children, from my family. The Lord rebuke you from this situation that's happening at my job. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. See, we should, it's all in the name of Jesus. Yes, but could you imagine though, there was Satan personally requesting, I just want a piece of Peter. There's a wonderful verse in Zechariah chapter two, verse five. And he says, and the Lord put a ring of fire around him. And he was the glory in their midst. That's what God wants in all of us. He wants to put a ring of fire around us, but he wants his spirit to be inside of us. His glory so that when people look in our eyes as we're sharing this love, it's not our love. It's not because I'm a good person. Oh, you're such a good person. You're such a wonderful person. Let me pat you in the back. Let me make you feel good. No, 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 no. I'm loving you because of what Christ has done for me. He loved me first and that's why I'm loving you right now. Could you imagine, though, hearing what Jesus told Peter, that Satan wants to sift you like wheat? I could imagine, Peter, if it was me, well, Lord, did you tell him he couldn't? I mean, did you tell him you couldn't have me? And as you know, he did fall. But notice, Jesus also said he prayed for Peter. And he says, once you have turned again, once you have repented, you know, Peter, once you get to the end of yourself, once it's, when it's no longer about Peter and how wonderful you are and the rock and all of that stuff, when you get to the end of yourself, Peter, and you come back, do you remember what happened when he denied the third time and all of a sudden the cock-a-doodle-doo went off? It's like he ran out and he wept bitterly. Could you imagine the condemnation of doing that, denying the Lord? 
But then the Lord says, but once you turn again, once you come to your senses, Peter, strengthen your brothers. That word turn in the original Greek language means to change what you believe. When it changes you from the inside out, when it's no longer about you, no longer about how you want to do this in your ministry and what you want to do, when you finally get to the end of yourself and the end of your plans, your aspirations, your 10-year plan and all of this stuff, when you finally get to the end of you and you allow me to have my plan in you, then it's all going to be different. And eventually Peter would come to that place but not until he came to the end of himself. And we will look about how all that unfolded in Peter's life in a future study. But today, as we end, let me ask you, where are you at right now? Do you still have a firm grip on the reins of your life, not willing to let go for the Lord? That's all the time we have for this message, but please continue to join us this week as we go through the Gospel of John in chapter 13 and 14. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android, Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, one word, that's Core Church LA, to 77977. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.